Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. Hey everyone, today I'm thrilled to welcome back Josh Bryant to the podcast. Josh joined me a few episodes ago to talk all about the Drifter bike, and he was such a great guest, I wanted to get him back on the show for another conversation. Hey Josh, welcome back, how are you? I'm great, thank you for having me back. You're welcome. Have you been out on your bike much recently? Uh, no, it's pretty much raining nonstop, and uh, I could ride in the rain, but I don't really want to. <laughs> is it kind of dangerous? <laughs> uh, it can be, especially right now. All the leaves falling off the trees kind of create like a slick trap on the road. And uh, if they're not moving them off, that can be kind of dangerous. Yeah, not worth the risk. No. <laughs> all right. Well, this week I want to talk all about Lisa and do a deep dive into her story arc, character, and motivation. Uh, Lisa, if you remember, is the teenage girl you, air quotes, rescue for Tucker near the beginning of the game, and you take her to Hot Springs. Throughout the game, she has a couple run-ins with the Rippers, and at the end, she finds her inner strength and becomes a drifter, just like Deacon. But before we get started, I think we should back up for a minute and talk about Tucker, who runs the Hot Springs camp, because she's the one responsible for bringing Lisa into the story and into Deacon's life. So let's get into it. What do we know about Tucker? I mean, uh, I found I found the the more you played the game and once you discover the backstory of all these characters, um, Deacon included, uh, you kind of have a different view of this when you replay it. Um, and like Tucker, you know, you find out she was a guard at a prison. And her husband killed himself. You find that note in her house. Um, but uh, she's kind of like a... I don't know if she was always this dark. And maybe she was horrible in, in the prison too. Um, <laughs> you know, like beating prisoners or whatever. But uh, she definitely has become pretty ruthless at the uh, camp that she runs. Yeah, yeah. She She doesn't have any sympathy. There's one moment when you bring Lisa into the camp and... Uh, and Deacon says, like, you know, go easy on her. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, don't tell me what to do. Like, she has no no sympathetic bone in her body, it seems. She's just kind of a, a bit of a, a hard ass. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like she said something uh, to the effect of, like, are you going soft on me? Uh, which mm -hmm. kind of leads me to believe that he was pretty ruthless as well when he was working for her before. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Because a lot of the things that you find out about Tucker it really informs us about Deacon and like what he's been doing for the past couple of years. Cause we have that time jump from the collapse of civilization to two years later, when we meet up with Deacon and Boozer, like we don't know what they've done in that time. And, you know, obviously he, he fell out of favor with Lost Lake because of the work he was doing for Tucker. And you're right. We don't know quite how far he went with that. Yeah. And I would say too, in the first, um in the flashbacks uh where he ends up like wrestling a guy for a gun and get the guy gets shot in the head i'm not sure that deacon that was probably not the first person he's killed if he's like running around with a one percenter patch on his vest right so he seemed kind of shocked but i think it was more in the moment but it, i'm sure he's had a body count before the end of the world happened 
Yeah, yeah. And of course, he was in the army as well. So he's probably killed people there. But as a civilian killing other civilians, he, he could have done. But it's probably more in like the, I don't know, fighting with other MCs or something like that. <laughs> Fair. The, the moment in the flashback seemed like the first time he'd killed just a, a regular person. That's true. Yeah. So Hot Springs that, that Tucker runs is euphemistically named a work camp. And the idea is that if people don't work, they're beaten and starved. Uh, the other camps that you you come across kind of have a similar policy, like the idea of work in exchange for food and shelter. But at Tucker's, you're not allowed to leave. It's essentially a prison. So I think it's kind of interesting that she used to be a prison guard and now she's kind of prison warden. I wonder if she gets like a little power trip from that. I could see that. Although as a side note... Um... Are, are you really allowed to leave any of the other camps? I think so. Well, because uh, Deacon mentions to Manny, at her, who's the mechanic at Copeland's camp, like, keep your nose down, do the work, and they'll feed you. The implication being that if, if you don't do the work, you get kicked out. That's fair. I just always wondered if they're like, oh, this this person left and or took off and they stole some of our stuff. Go get them. Bounty hunt them. And they're like, well, did they steal something or are they being set up or did they steal it because you wouldn't let them leave mm. uh, this opens a lot of questions <laughs> yeah not to go <laughs> too far into that but i don't know copeland doesn't seem like the most reasonable person either well yeah it's interesting that that copeland uh at the beginning deke is okay working for tucker who he knows is a slaver but he has issues with copeland and he has to be coerced into working for him yeah i thought that was kind of interesting and you know it could be because Maybe Deke doesn't trust him because he's kind of a thief. You know, he he goes and steals Deke's bike. He's, you know, constantly trying to find out where Deke and Boozer hide out. And yeah. Deke, like, doesn't tell him. He's so cagey and, like, won't tell him. Won't tell him that Boozer's been injured. It's like, don't show any weakness because this guy's going to come and take your shit. Yeah, but he won't tell Tucker either that Boozer's hurt. True. I, th I think it's just like if you're a drifter, you have to be super, super careful, super cagey because everyone will just it's kind of like the, the hyenas, you know, will sense weakness <laughs> and start taking from you, taking little bites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So interesting thing about hot springs. I didn't know this uh, because I never sleep in the game i have no idea where the beds are i never change like night to day or day to night i just i have no interest in i just want to keep playing i don't want anything to slow me down but spornicus rex mentioned to me that he has heard when you go into the camp at night he has heard moaning in the camp and he had an interesting theory that he wanted me to kind of bring into this conversation it could be that someone's just crying from being beaten or starved or overworked. But he suggested maybe Tucker employs prostitutes or perhaps uses pleasure girls to keep her goons placated. That's pretty dark, but uh, believable. I mean, it's, it is dark, <laughs> but the world is dark. And the, the interesting thing about the game is that it does have these dark things, but they're, they're often like kept um, subtle which I think is really like an interesting way of doing it. And I'm actually kind of glad that they do that because the game, it very obviously stays away from rape. That's not really outright mentioned or even really alluded to, except for, and there's one mission where you have to go rescue the two girls who went fishing at Lost Lake. 
Mm, and there's yeah. like a little bit of sort of the twins. The, yeah, and they're taken to the cabin, and one of them's thrown on the bed, and then she stabs the guy. Yeah, and it's like mm, I, there's only one reason why he's going to throw you on the bed. <laughs> um, so I think apart from that, though, there isn't really any mention of of rape or you know any kind of like sexual assault or anything uh, in the game. But considering the state of the world, you know, it would in reality absolutely be prevalent. So I was wondering if perhaps, you know, it is kind of there, but it's just they didn't want to be explicit. Yeah. They didn't really want to go there too much, but they the world is so real, you know, it's like, well, it would it would be happening. So let's put in a little clue here and there that kind of tells you that. What do, what's your take on it? Um, yeah, and I I was just going to say, like, Deacon obviously has his code where he would not shoot an unarmed woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do shoot, like, uh, women marauders and rippers in the camps, uh, like, are out in the world. But um, I remember early on, like, one of your first camps after you get your bike from Cope, uh, like, there's a cut scene where a woman pulls a gun on you and he's like, you don't have any ammo. Yes. And you let her, yeah. you let her go. And then you later find another lady tied up at a, the top of a tower for Tucker and you let her go as well. Mm-hmm. But is that because Deacon is turning over a, a new leaf, like becoming a, a kinder person? Because he clearly had no problem taking women to a slave camp right? before. So is it just that he doesn't want to do violence to them, but he would enslave them or at least take them to be enslaved? It does seem to go against his code. But maybe his code was a little different, like a couple of years ago. Yeah, we we just we don't we don't know, but it's it's a good question. Yeah, and then on uh, what uh, Sponicus was saying about like the noises at night, uh, I was wondering like, did the other people, like the women in Tucker's camp, talk to Lisa about like, oh, you came in with that biker guy? He's an asshole. He kidnapped me. Yeah, and made me a slave here. <laughs> It's interesting. I don't interact very much with like the merchants and things in the camp. They have pretty limited dialogue. Yeah, but at Lost Lake, you know, Blair is very talkative. And actually at Copeland's camp, Jesse, uh, who is the, is she the, the bounty collector or whatever, you know, where you take your ears in. I think that's who she is. Yeah. she There's actually a lot of dialogue from her because she knows Deacon and she's um, like, they have this thing where she's pretending to not know him because he's kind of out of favor with Copeland or, or Copeland's kind of mad at him, like right at the beginning of the game. And then she warms up. She actually mentions like, oh, so when you ride north, are you going to take me with you? Or he says, when I ride north, I will take you with me. Right. And it's like, he doesn't tell anyone else that he's riding north. So obviously he knows Jesse. But at Tucker's camp, is there anyone that he really has a kind of conversation with or, uh, you know, anything meaningful? Uh, I mean, he's kind of antagonistic with uh, Alki. Um, yeah but then you know uh zanny <laughs> the mechanic there like all he can do is gas up or repair your bike you can't buy anything from him mm-hmm. yeah i don't feel like i can think of any conversations you really have at that camp yeah maybe they're all just kind of pissed at him because <laughs> yeah. he probably brought half of them in or, or um certainly some of them you like the attitudes like at lost lake will change with the vendors and stuff as you um level up at the camp Mm -hmm. but i don't think they really seem to so much with tuckers like people are always kind of assholes there yeah or or are they just they think you're an asshole oh that's that's they're just frosty with you they're just (laughs) like yeah no i don't whatever yeah that's true Tucker seems fine with you so i'll sell you some guns but that's it (laughs) all 
All right, let's get into who Lisa is to Tucker. Because there's a, a mention right at the beginning when you first get the mission. She, she, does she mention that or does she mention later that she knows Lisa? Because uh, they used to be neighbors. I think that's when you bring Lisa to her. Uh, right. Because she didn't know who was out there. Just like she heard someone was alive out there. That's it. Yeah, she's like, I heard there's a there's a girl living in Marion Forks or, or where, wherever. It's in Marion Forks, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, go get her. So obviously at the beginning, she doesn't know it's Lisa. So she's just like, oh, there's a, a person, an able body that can come work in whatever capacity at the camp. I want you to go get her. And then when she brings her in, it's like, oh, I know this girl. So uh, I have a quick side note about that. What exactly do you know is she trying to do with all these workers? I know they're digging something, but like she's trying to dig a moat. She <laughs> like to... <laughs> she mentions an irrigation system at some point. But the whole thing is kind of bonkers anyway, because look at the soil. Like they're they're in like a the high desert. Nothing is going to grow. <laughs> yeah. And so you're I trying to dig through rock. Yeah. In fact, I think there's even a mention of, of there not being good soil or, or the inability to to dig deep enough. Yeah. So I don't know exactly why they're not just like building some raised beds and going and getting some good soil or something, but they it's supposed to be an irrigation system that she wants more people to help build. Mm, okay. Um, but it really, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense. No. <laughs> or if, like, maybe it does and I've missed something. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I've always thought that though that was the worst camp. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you would not want to be there. Why, like, how do they get, how do they get food? How do they, I mean, I guess there's deer and stuff, but, like, you see Lisa at one point, like, dig in the soil. And I'm like, girl, that's just sand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, nothing's going to grow. <laughs> So that's what we're kind of told in the game is that that's what it's what the the people are being brought in to do. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the the lack of food, I always wondered where, what was Lisa eating. Well, yeah. Let's get on to that. So Lisa, this this never sat right with me either. When you go and find Lisa, she's been living for two years in her old house, just holed up in that little bedroom. And I know she has like the security of the house is kind of blocked off, and she just has that little ladder. But shouldn't she pull the ladder up? Yeah, I did. I was just thinking that <laughs> she she's just been stuck up there until someone rescues her. Um, but how does she survive? Because she seems so naive. When you first go and get her, I know she's supposed to be fifteen or thereabouts, but she seems. I think she's seventeen. Very young when you when you meet her. I think. Oh, she is. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be fifteen when it started. From what I found researching, I don't know how accurate it is. Oh, wow. Okay. She does seem really young. <laughs> yeah. And I know she's been through the trauma of the collapse of all of civilization and her parents, but she believes her parents are going to come back. Yeah. And it's like, girl, it's been two years. I mean, maybe she doesn't know it's been two years. Like she's not tracking days. But she's been through two winters. I don't think you can miss an <laughs> Oregon winter. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> She kind of reminds me of Newt from Aliens, and if you know that movie, yeah, yeah. the little girl who's survived for, uh, an, I don't think it's years, I think it's just a number of days, um, but Newt is, I think, around sort of 12-ish in age, and she's like a badass, <laughs> and Lisa, and I know obviously it's the beginning of her, her arc, 
that she's so naive. And yeah, where does she get food? We do see her getting water from down at the river. Yeah. So at least she has the wherewithal to go do that. But food, I, the the diner in town is it has been like stripped bare. There's nothing there. Yeah. So I don't know what she's eating. <laughs> Maybe she just went through everyone's house nearby. Just <laughs> Maybe cleaned them out. <laughs> yeah. Now. When you go and get her, there are a bunch of rippers sniffing around. Are we supposed to believe that they were also trying to get her? Uh, I guess that was the impression I had. Like, maybe she had been, like you said, naive and was, like, not keeping her tracks hidden. You know, like, people mm-hmm. people spotted her. If Tucker's people spotted her, uh, I'm sure some rippers could have, too. Now, do the rippers, do you think that they actually... Are, are sort of actively trying to recruit people, like kidnapping or or whatever, like taking people to recruit them. Uh, yeah, I think so because I think they, uh, you know, they blow PCP in your face, like when you had to fight Carlos. Um, right. And uh, when when Schizo betrays you later, before that happens, but you're out there, there's like that lady who's tied up and they've broken her legs, mm. and I assume that's because she refused to join them yeah never really says why they did that to her like they just like to torture women for no reason quite possibly i kind of got the impression that they were uh for all their faults not sexist in that way yeah because they're definitely (laughs) female rippers yeah yeah they seem pretty uh they have kind of a policy of equality (laughs) (laughs) they're equal opportunity (laughs) yeah equal opportunities that's the word i'm looking for that's the phrase um yeah, so but you're right, they must be constantly trying to to capture people. You just don't see that because you and Boozer are being actively sought out as enemies of the Rippers. So you don't personally get to experience the Rippers trying to kind of turn you and and you know, coerce you into joining them. Yeah. I'm actually surprised they're trying to kill you because it seems like Carlos really wants you alive. Yeah, there is a slight I'm going to go on a tangent here. There is a slight uh, disconnect in the story where when Boozer gets injured, it's just like three random rippers that have, you know, hold him down and burn off the tattoo. And I'm thinking, surely Carlos wants to do that himself because that's what he does to Deacon later. I'm sure he didn't tell his goons like, oh, just go out and find these two guys. And if you find them, just burn the tattoos off and then maybe bring them back to me. <laughs> like he wants to do that. So it's kind of a little bit of a disconnect that they do that at the beginning uh when they are just like random goons. Uh you'd think that they would they should be capturing Boozer and taking him to Carlos. Yeah, but I guess it's probably hard to control people you've been like feeding hardcore drugs to. That is also true. And none of them <laughs> seem like the smartest people to begin with. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I'm going to just go with that as the reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does actually make a lot of sense now. <laughs> Think about it. Carlos Bru said, I want to catch these people so I can burn off their tattoos. And the, the rest of the Rippers heard, oh, cool, we get to burn off someone's tattoos. Awesome, let's get on that. Right. <laughs> All right, so Deacon gets Lisa and takes her to Hot Springs. And obviously he he kind of does it because he, he works for Tucker and he wants the camp credits. But He goes back to see her. Uh, He mentions that she reminds him of Sarah's younger sister. And so he kind of has a little bit of soft spot for her. And he goes back to see her and she she begs to leave. She begs him to help her. And he doesn't. He's just like, oh, no, you're fine. And like goes and gets the 
fucking thunder egg <laughs> like that's gonna make everything okay and i'm like how does he like why is he either so naive or why is he turning a blind eye like what is what is going on yeah i mean maybe it's just because uh you know you were saying like uh kids just complain and so maybe he's like oh, so maybe just... he just doesn't take it seriously yeah maybe i mean uh, i also assume that she is the youngest character in the entire game i don't think anyone's younger than that yeah, she's definitely the youngest one that we meet, apart from like the newts. Yeah, and, you know the, they're, they're obviously younger. Um, but no, she's definitely the youngest person we meet. Uh, so it could just be that, yeah, that she just he thinks that she doesn't like to work, and she's just complaining, and she's a whiny teenager, and it's fine because we do see her just digging the dirt, and it's like, okay, so you've got to dig dirt all day. It's tough. Sure, not fun, but it's not awful. Like, this is a... Because he does also say this is a safe place for you. You know, I think maybe that's what it is. He's trying to protect her. He knows that it's a slave camp, but he he kind of just wants her to be somewhere safe, and he knows what it's like out in the shit. And he's like, no, 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 you would not survive, even though she has been surviving <laughs> for two years. Yeah. But he kind of knows like you've got to join a camp like i'm not going to join a camp because i'm deacon saint john i'm a badass but you <laughs> need to join a camp and dig in the the dirt all day <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like it becomes pretty clear even to him that he made her life a lot worse right like immediately because she was surviving and i mean if she ever got caught by a freaker she'd be dead yeah but she was just very lucky for two years yeah and she i guess she does sort of have that that sneak ability like she's real good at like sneaking around and just hiding so and she, and she probably knows not to go out at night and in the beginning she does uh like when he first finds her she has like a gymnastics trophy so oh yeah maybe maybe she's more agile than we ever see true maybe she doesn't even use that ladder to get up into her place she like par yeah, parkours she up it. there <laughs> <laughs> or she could just like you know jump and pull herself up yeah huh well spotted. I didn't even think of that. All right, so let's jump ahead to Lisa getting captured by the Rippers. So the first time, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, she's so Tucker calls you and says that she she ran away or she went on a run or something, and she she ran away and then got captured. I forget exactly how. It, I think it was that it she down. went on a run with some people and like they saw the Rippers like grab her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the Rippers came by and took her. So. He has to go rescue her. So this is the second time she's had a run-in with the Rippers. And I was wondering if they've already started kind of turning her, coercing her, brainwashing her. Because, you know, a teenage girl would be a prime target for brainwashing. Very impressionable, easy to coerce. And she is already quite the wallflower. So she'd probably be easily overpowered by stronger personalities. Not to mention the fact that they you know, would be blowing PCP in her face. Yeah, because you find her, like, in a fetal position, like, on the ground, I think, like, just babbling to herself, and you have to kind of, like, snap her out of it and get her to run. Yeah, it's kind of, like, who knows what they did, like, how long uh, ago was that? Because you can choose not to do it right away also. <laughs> right, and you just, like, leave her there. <laughs> a couple weeks, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's actually interesting how, because I do that, like, I get a, a call saying, oh, you know, you've got this job for you, so-and-so needs to be taken out. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm I'm busy, I'm in a different part of the map, I'll come back and get that in a bit. Yeah. And you're right, if that was, like, 
if it was real, like in real time, they, I, you'd never you'd never win any missions because the people would already be dead or gone by the time you get there. Yeah, I was like, she'll, she'll be fine. Boozer's arm is hurt. Yes. <laughs> I have to take <laughs> care of that. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when, when Deacon rescues her and he takes her to Ricky to take to Lost Lake, the scene where he kind of hands her off, she is so beaten down in that scene. She's so weak. And the sad thing is, is that Deke is kind of like washing his hands of her. He's like, okay, I've done my part. I've helped her. I took her to Tucker's. That didn't work out. So now I'm redeeming myself. Ricky, you take care of her. And Ricky actually says, like, she looks at him. She's like, okay, what's wrong with her? Because <laughs> she knows, like, something's up. Like Something it, is going on. If you're so bad, you got kicked out of a slave camp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he has to admit, or... or um kind of like hint at the idea that it's not what's wrong with her it's what he's done wrong he kind of knows like oh i fucked up i shouldn't have taken her to tucker's now please can you take her and fix it right. and he's still not he's trying to like admit a little bit of blame and then shrug it off as like no 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 but i'm done i've done the right thing um whereas he really hasn't because as we know I think things do not get better at Lost Lake for Lisa. <laughs> no. Uh, so the next beat in a story is you get to Lost Lake when you're sneaking in, which is just after you've, you've sent Lisa off with Ricky and you have to do the mission where you're sneaking in to get the antibiotics for Boozer and you overhear all of the, 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 the guards who you later learn are Schizo's people. And they're all complaining about, oh, that new girl, she just cries, really? she's so weak, she can't do anything. I'm going to be honest, I didn't hear all this. Oh, yeah. If you like linger in the bushes, that's what they're talking about when you go in. They're all complaining about her. And you, she, they don't name her. They just say that new girl. She just cries all the time. <laughs> nice. I, I just yeah. try to like speed run those parts where you, you can't do anything but throw rocks. That's right. Like yeah. <laughs> my least favorite part. <laughs> I, I know. I know I have to pay more attention to that though. That's good. Yeah. Some of the dialogue when you get to Lost Lake at the beginning, some of the just the guards talking, the dialogue is really worth paying attention to because it also sets up the idea that Schizo has the hots for Ricky, which kind of plays into a lot of the dynamic with Deacon coming back and Ricky being hot for Deacon. And <laughs> it's yeah, it's like it kind of sets up a lot of stuff. But the big question is, so you you get there and you find out that Lisa has gone she's 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 been disappeared and the the question is how involved was schizo in that yeah because like when you find that list in his house later of all like his his hate list or his kill list his shit list yeah, yeah. and uh <laughs> yeah because uh, most of the names on there are people you end up bounty hunting yes and you end up killing most of those people technically for him but it made me wonder did they all run off the way it was implied or did he claim that's what happened and those people ran for their lives yeah i i think the latter i think that because half the people on the list are people that were air quotes killed by the other half of the list which are the ones that you go bounty hunt for killing the first half of the list yeah but it's like schizo could just say he could have i mean for all we know he could have shot someone in in the face and then been like oh yeah it was bob he did it go get him <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's like he didn't do anything um so definitely i honestly believe that that schizo had a hand in just getting rid of her maybe not 
like actively throwing her out, but certainly making sure that, oh yeah, let's just put her on a run, knowing full well she is not going to fare well, that she cannot keep up. And maybe he said to, you know, his buddies who were on the run with Lisa, like, eh, if she gets left behind, not a big deal. Yeah, and what, I, are, what are his buddies going to say? <laughs> like they they all agree because they hate her. Yeah, and they might have even said something because she just wrote, "I want to forget," like on that note, like over and over. That you mm. find, um, I mean, maybe what is she trying to forget? Maybe it was the Rippers. Maybe it was something they said or did to her at like Schizo's people. Well, I, that's actually raised a good point because don't you find that in a bedroom? Yeah. Maybe it's another clue that Schizo's goons you know, had their way with her and raped her or, or whatever. Yeah, it's, I we mean, don't know. Yeah, it's a lot of speculation and it never gets addressed. All right, so Ripper run-in number two. Uh, this is where, because Lisa goes missing and then you don't see her again until Deacon uh, gets... Betrayed. Sorry, gets, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I was thinking about something else for a second. <laughs> So I, I was wondering about this part, like, because she's there, but it's been a little while. Do you think she went to the Ripper, like, went back, or do you think they found her again? That's a good question. Or was she like, at least they gave me drugs, so she went <laughs> went back there? <laughs> I mean, it could be that she, she, because with the first meeting, maybe they are trying to kind of get in her head. Yeah. And, oh, you know, maybe you know, it's, it's, it's working. Isn't it like uh, they, they like the freaks because they don't remember all that they've lost mm -hmm. some some kind of statement like that and yeah they they don't remember what they've lost who they've lost the whole i want to forget is kind of i think it's part of their doctrine that's starting to sit in her head i think the clues are that she the first time she has the run-in with them they start a sort of brainwashing process on her and it it takes yeah so maybe Schizo didn't have anything to do with her being um, disappeared. Maybe she did just run off with the Rippers. So it's the one time Schizo told the truth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the one time. All right, so I I want to bring something up. And I, I kind of, I wasn't planning on doing this, but in the interest of the conversation, I just want to, I want to take a moment and just share something kind of personal, if that's okay with you. Sure. So I've been thinking a lot since I started the podcast about the nature of trauma and survival, and it's kind of led to a lot of introspection on my part. A lot of digging up of old memories that I thought I'd buried deep enough to never think of again. Now, I mentioned in last week's episode that I've experienced a traumatic event, and I wanted to go at the time, I wanted to go into more detail but I stopped myself because I didn't think that it was necessarily appropriate for the podcast. And uh, it's also something that I, I literally do not ever talk about ever to anyone. But that conversation, that conversation has been sitting in my mind ever since. The things I left unsaid, the things I alluded to, and now here we are talking about Lisa and, you know, I just kind of I want to say it and I want to get it out and I want to share it because another thing that I've realized is how supportive the fan community is, how how great everyone is and how we all have this kind of camaraderie over a video game. So, so here goes. When I was 17, I went through a very similar experience to Lisa. 
getting coerced and I'm going to say brainwashed because that's what it was, uh, essentially forced to agree to do things that I did not want to do and to do them under the guise of cult worship. So when I talk about Lisa's indoctrination, it kind of hits close to home. And I think a lot of the themes in Days Gone kind of hit close to home for a lot of people. It's kind of what makes the game so special. Yeah. So, okay. So that bomb dropped. Sorry. It was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of heavy. It was deep. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to just like throw that on you. Nah. Um, I just kind of wanted to, to share that because it's something I've been thinking about a lot and obviously, you know, this, this story of Lisa is so relevant. And so like, I feel like I can really, I can kind of understand it and it's, through analyzing it for this episode and kind of like going through my notes and, and thinking a lot about her point of view, it kind of brought up a lot of stuff for me. So I just sort of, I just wanted to share and, and uh, you know, use that to inform our conversation. Yeah. So, all right, let's get back into to Lisa. <laughs> um, so with in terms of how she's getting convinced or, or coerced into joining the Rippers, I think a lot of it comes down to the Ripper culture being a religion. You know, it's essentially a structure and the comfort of a belief system. Yeah. Um, on that note, can I ask if you agree with this? I don't feel like Carlos believes in it at all. I think it's completely a ploy for him to control people. Like a lot of cult leaders, I guess. There, there was something that I read, and I don't remember where it was, so I, I don't know how reliable it was. It may have been on the online wiki, which has information I have not been able to verify from any other source. So take this with a grain of salt. But there was something about how he gets his name, Carlos, from a spiritual leader or a guru or some sort of motivational figure that he looked up to. Okay. And that's why he changed his name to Carlos. Ah, I, was I not don't know how true that is, but if that is true, that does imply that he does believe, or maybe that I don't. I just don't know how smart he is. If he's smart enough to mastermind coercing other people and controlling them, I think he maybe has to believe it a little bit. That's fair. I mean, he's no better than any of the other rippers like add anything that you can tell so i wonder what right. makes him like why they picked him as their leader drugs fair <laughs> he keeps the drugs flowing so he does yeah um also where did they get the pcp or or is it the freaker dust the residue oh you know that's i had not considered that because they imply it's like pcp or something in one of the cutscenes. Yeah, I think they actually say, like, Boozer or Deacon or someone says that they're all hopped up on PCP. Maybe it's Schizo. I don't remember. That would be really interesting if they were stealing from Freaker Nest to, like, make their drugs. Yeah. Because they do make people crazy when you shoot them with the the bolt there. Mm-hmm. So that would be an interesting way to do it. Yeah. But anyway, so they, they definitely have, in the, the Ripper culture or whatever you want to call it, is definitely a religion. It has an ideal and it has symbology and it kind of it it brings a sense of peace you know like you said lisa um talks about why the rippers want to be like the freaks you know they don't remember what they've lost so in a way it's it thematically it's another way of healing 
of forgetting what you've lost yeah and finding peace in forgetting yeah and kind of forgetting who you were as well yeah yeah because they all give up their names yeah she actually says my name isn't lisa anymore i'm on the path it's very like hippie spiritual i'm gonna find you know my higher self and and all of that bullshit yeah Um, and i i just i feel like it's kind of like her trying to find a new version of herself so you know she knows that she's a weakling and that she she's naive and she's like no i'm almost going to forget that i'm going to forget that i've lost my parents but maybe she's also going to forget that she herself was lost and now because they talk about you know the lost versus them being found and it's like now she's kind of incorporating that of like i can i can find new strength yeah um, let, let that person go that she used to be yeah make a decision right now be a new person be a fucking badass you know <laughs> she's got like scars and cuts and all sorts of crazy shit she's you know probably done drugs now or we know she has because she <laughs> had them earlier in a in a weird way it's a sort of coming of age like maturity moment for her a, a very twisted one but and also the, the thing is that we see that she is stronger than the rippers she's almost like incorporated what they give her and added it to herself because the others incorporate it and then lose themselves in it but she is kind of a ripper she's you know she's on the path she doesn't have a name anymore her name is not lisa she's on the path but she chooses to let Deacon go, which is against Carlos, the leader of the religion. Yeah. And then she leaves the Ripper camp as well. Yeah, I assume she lets him go only because he rescued her. Yeah. Like, if it was anybody else, she wouldn't care. True. But she does. She knows that Carlos wants Deacon. Yeah. And so she's going against her spiritual leader, who has created the new her and has helped her find herself. But she's like, no, fuck you. I like Deacon more. <laughs> but then she immediately gets like they figure out it was her. Yeah. But she she then she leaves. And I don't think we see her again until the end. Yeah. Like till after the main story's over. I like the idea that she she finds her strength through the indoctrination and, and discovers that she's stronger than them and stronger than Tucker and stronger than her old self. It's it's kind of cool. Yeah. I was wondering, because you don't know how long it's been uh, from when she left Lost Lake to there. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, what else did they have her do? Did she kill some people for them? Right. Because she's on the path. And, you know, I don't know what the steps are on the path, but they don't seem good. Yeah. Yeah. We need that manifesto. (laughs) (laughs) We need to see what those steps are. But yeah, you're right. There, There would be, it would not be a short, like, oh, here you go, let's cut your face, take some PCP, boom, you're in. <laughs> it would be a long process. Yeah. You know, it would be multiple steps over multiple days, weeks, months, who knows. Right. To really get into your head like that, that's what it takes. And to be constantly surrounded by it as well. Like she's she's living there. She's in the the central hub of the Rippers. Like it's 24-7. Yeah. 24-7, the fucking rippers, and Carlos with his little tape recorders everywhere, you know, like playing the, the speakers, yeah, playing they... the recorded messages, like just constantly, <laughs> and them doing all the drugged up dances around the campfire. Yeah, it sounds like the worst summer camp you've ever been to. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to get in your head pretty damn quick. Yeah, it's just constant. 
Yeah. And everyone around you is like super into it. Yeah. Yeah. It probably wouldn't take that long. So maybe it hasn't been that long at all in the game just because it's hard to like know when you decide to do that mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It probably has only been days or maybe a week or something. Yeah. So when we see it after the credits rolled, there's a, a cool little scene where she shows up at the gates of Lost Lake and she is now a drifter, which is just so cool and so badass that she has such a huge arc to go from this like little wallflower, naive, young teenager hiding in her old bedroom waiting for her parents to come back. And now she's got like a motorbike and a shaved head and scars. And she's just, she's been collecting bounties and she knows like, oh, I know what it takes to survive out in the shit. I've got to collect the bounties. I'll deal with the camps, but I don't want to come in. My place is not among you. Yeah. It's so cool. She has that independence. Yeah. He kind of like gently, like if you want to come in, like in a way that no one ever did for him, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So he's like not forcing him. Yeah, like not forcing her. <laughs> he might not have stayed a drifter as long as he did if someone had extended a hand the same way. Yeah. He he probably would, but <laughs> I mean that's interesting to think that all the Well, no, I mean Tuck does try to convince him to to stay at Hot Springs. And Ricky and Iron Mike try to convince him to stay at Lost Lake. So I feel like he has been asked. He just doesn't. He knows he doesn't want it. And that, you know, is in part because he's dealing with his own issues over Sarah and, you know, and just that sort of mentality of the MC and and just being independent is kind of part of his personality. Yeah. Interestingly, it was never part of Lisa's personality. Yeah. Although I kind of felt like everybody wanted Deacon in the camp until the end uh, because he was good at stuff. Right. Like, we want you here because you can kill, you can hunt everything that we suck at. Uh, <laughs> like, he's <laughs> not necessarily you're a very like. useful tool. Yeah, like, Lisa is awesome, but I don't know that that's why he's inviting her in. Like, he doesn't need her to go out and kill people. He mm-hmm. He's just like, you know, like, I promise we're not going to do fucked up things to you. So, a little yeah. different, I feel like. But, uh, I mean, I feel like if they ever can get a sequel made, I would love it if you actually play as Lisa. Um, oh that absolutely should be the central character yeah because deacon could take on like an iron mic role and give you jobs but lisa would be would need to build up skills in the game just like deacon did in this one and build up your bike and i think it would be awesome maybe explore more of the ripper stuff with her because i know deacon wipes them out with that flood but uh they're still there in the end of the game yeah there's still little pockets of them yeah yeah, that would be that would be badass, and and it would be a nice way of kind of giving us the same game but a different game, right? You know, where you can kind of it has that same vibe of you have to level up and and you know you have the bike and you have the um, certain like killing skills or whatever uh, her gymnastic skills. Yeah, maybe, maybe. she could swim <laughs> yeah. better than Deacon. Like I don't know why could <laughs> swim. Like I know why, but like it it would have. I don't know. It would have been kind of cool to be able to swim. Um, Give her a jump button because she's a gymnast. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They could just work in some of those extra things that were missing from this game. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I I think she would be awesome. And not to detract at all from Deacon's stories, a great character, but it sort of feels like he outgrew the role by the end. Like he was a leader now. Yeah. I don't know how you do another sequel with Deacon not another sequel, a sequel with Deacon because he he's had his arc. 
And you're right, he does end up kind of settled at Lost Lake. The story for him is told, so I know we all want more Deacon. Like, I'm not saying don't give us more Deacon. Like, please give us more Deacon. But what kind of what what is his story? What would you do with him? And you're right, Lisa would be a better uh, story to explore what she does now. Yeah, and it would be pretty frustrating to have to like somehow lose his bike and all of his skills again. And <laughs> yeah, re- rebuild all of that. <laughs> or he just wants a new bike. <laughs> you have to rebuild that, build that one up. <laughs> but it makes total sense for her. It's also one of the things I found interesting is Deacon kind of knows that he has to let Lisa find her own way. He's letting her go off and fight her own war, her own battles, her own kind of arc and, and, and heroics and victory and all of that. And it's the same that he had to do with Sarah. I've mentioned before that when he finds Sarah and she talks about we're fighting a war, it's a war we can win. And to him, he's the jaded you know, military veteran who knows that no war is winnable. He knows that, but he's come out, that's because he he fought in the war and then he came out the other side, hating every minute of it and having a different opinion from when he signed up. With Sarah and with Lisa, they're at the beginning of that journey and they have to make their own way through it. Yeah. They have to fight their own war. Yeah, I was uh, just playing the, uh, today I played the <laughs> the Chimult uh, Community College. Oh, yeah. Section. And there was a part where he's like, what happened to you to Sarah? Because uh, yeah, like when I first met you, you were like shaking after you fired my gun into the air. And now you just like wiped all these people out. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like he's having to realize like she had to go through a lot of changes, too. Yeah. We had a listener comment uh, that I want to read out. This is from Tim Schumacher. And he said about Lisa, I think Lisa's story was very challenging, but well written. It can be lost on the player how important it is that Deke was selling slaves to Tucker, including Lisa. She was doing okay, and he was guilty of taking her out of that to a worse situation. As a player, we think we can control the Avatar's narrative, but the writers are telling you that Deke was motivated by camp credits in steering survivors to camps. He saw how it, how it affected Lisa, and through her story, what Tucker was really about. Her tale is huge in Deke's redemption and embracing being part of a larger community again. I loved her arc as an origin story of a PTSD survivor becoming a badass loner, obviously mirroring Deke's journey up to the point he finds her in the epilogue. That was well said. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts on Lisa? Uh, hope that we get to see more of her someday. Yeah, fingers crossed. All right. A <laughs> couple things before we wrap up. You can support the Days Gone podcast by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash daysgonepod, where you can throw a little money in the tip jar if you're feeling generous. I want to give a special shout out to my favorite YouTuber and regular guest on the podcast, Spornicus Rex. He very kindly bought me a coffee this week. Thank you, sir. You can actually find me and Rex live streaming Days Gone on YouTube every Tuesday at 6pm Pacific Time. It's a collaboration between the two of us called The Feedback Loop, and we have so much fun. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming back on and doing this deep dive into Lisa. I had an absolute blast. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counter-arguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out.